Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 3. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, chapter 3. That's the book of Romans, chapter 3. And Father, we again come before you in prayer, grateful, Lord, that we can do so. Lord, you opened up a way for us to be able to pour out our hearts before you and just share our lives with you, Lord, and you with ours. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for Jesus that paved that way. This morning we ask that as we study your word that you would speak to us in a special way. Do a mighty work of your spirit. Holy Spirit, lead us, Lord, into your truths, Lord. Pour out your grace this morning, Lord. Meet us where we're at this morning. You know the needs of your people. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say... Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 3, as you know, Paul the Apostle has been addressing both the religious Jew and the Greek. Not necessarily the Greek as in Greeks, but he means the Gentile world, the non-religious Jew, the Gentiles of the world, really addressing both of them concerning the righteous judgment of God, but also Uh, the reality that both of them, whether you're a religious Jew and you have the background of the law of Moses and the rituals, or whether you're just uh, not and aren't into uh, uh, the law of God or religion at all, you're both guilty before the Lord. And that's what what Romans is teaching. It's, It's making way for the good news of the gospel. The Greek or the non-religious Jew who, uh, you know, is out there in the world, they have, uh, you know, moral judgments about themselves as well. And Paul said, you who judge another but approve and practice the same things, you too are guilty. And then to the religious Jew, having the law of God and circumcision, he said to them, you who preach to others that they ought to keep the law you will be judged as well for you're a breaker of the law. And so this is, this is uh, his address to them, uh, making it clear that all men, whether you have a religious background or not, all men are guilty before God. All of us have sinned. No religious law, no religious ritual, no tradition, no grandma and grandpa were into the Lord, so that gets me in. None of that. It's, it's each person in order to get saved, must choose to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, right? There's some very bad news, and the very bad news is that no one can make it to heaven without faith in Jesus Christ. There, There isn't a good deed you can do. There isn't a charity you can contribute to. There's nothing. It's just faith. And so in verse 1, he says, Then what advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, 
chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. So if a religious Jew and all of his synagogue attendants and all of his heritage and all of the miracles and the background and the law, if that doesn't get them into heaven, then what advantage is it being a Jew? And he says that there's much advantage, but chiefly because of the oracles of God that they were handed to them. I mean, think about it. There's no other people in the whole world that God chose in order to give his commandments, to make himself known, but to the Jewish people. It's a very, uh, it's beyond privilege. It's beyond. He chose them as the apple of his eye. And he made it clear. It wasn't because they were any better than anybody else. He said, well, you're a stiff-necked people, but he did it because of his grace in the same way that he chooses us as Christians who put our trust in Jesus. He chooses us not because we're so great, but because Jesus is so merciful and gracious. But he chose them, and there's so many benefits and advantages that they have. Um, their history is of, the is of the God of the Bible. God chose them. I feel like the world owes the Jewish people uh, a debt of gratitude. When I became a Christian, I had no idea how connected believers in Christ are to the Jewish people. But I, you, we, we first fall in love with Jesus, don't we? We, we? we love him. We accept his gracious gift of forgiveness. We, we surrender our lives to him. And you begin to realize, you know, there's one people in the world that God chose to come through them in the flesh, and it's the Jews. Jesus was Jewish. He wasn't uh, Latino, as you know, nor does he have to be. He was Middle Eastern. He was Jewish. And so all of a sudden, I feel a debt of gratitude to a people that I didn't know much about growing up in Almani, growing up in the hood, and not being educated in religion or such things. I just, but I realized afterwards, my gosh, my gosh, they're the ones that preserved the Bible for us. They're the ones that preserved the Old Testament. And I got to see this firsthand when I went to Israel. First time, it was my second time on a plane. First time ever on a plane uh, it was to Las Vegas, and it was, uh, it was, um, you know, I think I was 21 the first time I got on a plane. I didn't travel growing up, and then the second time was all the way to Israel. We're talking 16 to 18 hour flight, so that was a lot on El Air, El Air Airline, right? The most secure airline in the world, and you know, I knew nothing about the culture really except for what I had learned in the Bible and I think I was saved for like a year and a half but what I did notice was the religious Jews on the plane would carry the Torah would preserve it in containers and they wouldn't like us you know if we have extra Bibles maybe we put it in our suitcase with our clothes and have a little carry-on Bible if we get bored on the plane and we're going to read they carried the Torah they carried the word in, in beautiful you know, in a, in a beautiful casings, and it sat on their lap all the way to Israel. So there is a, a, a wonderful stewardship that the Jews have, have today and always have had concerning the scriptures. And for those who say, oh, the scriptures are all tainted and corrupted. If you look at the history and antiquities and how they took care of the, of the copying of the scriptures and how much 
just strictness and, and sincerity they put behind it. No, they have much advantage because God gave them the oracles in order to preserve it for all of the world. And Western civilization, I mean, Judeo-Christian you know, laws, it, it's what's made the Western civilization. And so we need to have a heart for Israel. That's why I do. I, I just, and it's advantageous because when a religious Jew becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, who has, uh, you know, lived a kosher life and has celebrated Passover and, uh, you know, the Day of Atonement and all, all of the feasts and all of the festivals and all that they do, when they come to know Jesus, having all that knowledge, it now makes sense to them. It opens up to them. They realize that, my goodness, the Passover lamb is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So it's neat to, to see Jewish believers who, who came from a kosher background able to just speak so well of Jesus and, and the, the festivals and the feasts. Uh, when I was in Israel, you know, our guides were Jewish Christians. And so we got to see firsthand, you know, uh, them use the word of God like just swordsmiths. They were so amazing with their detail uh, of the history of the land of everything else it was beautiful uh ronnie cohen was my tour guide uh on my bus uh pastor and he he was uh from new jersey an american who uh went down there just to get in touch with his jewish roots and he fell in love with an arab lady gets married and doesn't know that for a jewish guy to become a citizen there and get married you sign up for the idf automatically so he a vietnam veteran ended up being a member uh, having to join the army there and uh, even went to battle there and, and and fought and then became a christian through uh, guiding christians through the holy land and uh he liked oldies too. He's from New Jersey, so he was singing doo wops, you know. And I was, I was singing them with him, you know, sitting in the park waiting for you. You know, we were having a good time. But he, it was nice to see just the knowledge. And then Amir Safari, if that's how you say his name, was was the head of the whole tour. But that was when he was small potatoes back then. But it was a blessing to be able to hear them, their knowledge of, of the Lord, the word of God. Remember that Jesus said to the Jews in John 5, verse 39, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. He's speaking of the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet. So he's saying to the Jews, you're looking through the Old Testament. You're looking through what you have, those scriptures, because in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which speak of me. He also, it's also said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, where the writer, I think Paul is the writer, says, Then I said, quoting the Lord, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. The volume of the book, the whole book, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and then also we know that when our Lord was resurrected and he, he appeared to the two 
disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verse 27, he, it says that in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he took them through Moses, through the prophets, Old Testament. They preserved the scriptures. The scriptures tell us about the Messiah to come, Jesus Christ. All of them. All of us who have faith in Jesus Christ have faith in him because of the word of God. You heard the word of God and gave him your life. So we should be really grateful, really, to the Jews who have preserved the word that helped speak to us about Jesus. I don't get this theology of replacement theology that God's done with Israel and, and, and churches who don't support Israel or pray for Israel. I, I, I don't get it. God's not finished with them at all. God's not, you know, God loves sinners. How much more his own people? He's not over with them. It's not done. But faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. You know, when Jesus was out, to, was led by the spirit out to the wilderness, Satan came and tempted him for 40 days. And we read that Jesus, every time defended himself with the word of God, it is written Thou shalt not eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how valuable the word is. It defends us. It corrects us. It comforts us. It teaches us. It inspires us. It gives us hope. It re-energizes us. The word. The word is everything. Jesus is the word made flesh. The more of him we can devour, the better we're going to be. The word means a lot. So when we go to Israel, maybe next year, if the Lord should tarry, you know, and you see little Jewish boys and girls running around, you know, to me, I was just in awe of that in the old city. I was in awe of it all. What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the prophet of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome them when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God... What shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not. For then, how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has, made, has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. And so here Paul is speaking about a foolish question that was out there during his time that, uh, you know, if folks do not believe, if people do not believe in him, but it, does that make his, his righteousness void? And Paul says, certainly not. 
he knows this is foolishness, but he, he answers it by saying, no, God is always faithful whether a person has faith or whether a person does not. And God is a just judge of both the Jew and the Greek. He's just because there are people who were making excuses there at that time. And there's people who are still making the same type of excuses like, you know, God created me, I'm this way, so how can, he can, how can he judge me for my sins if God made me? Right? That's an excuse that the world has today, right? If I do bad, if I've sinned, well, God created all of us, and that's just the way we are, so how can God still judge me as a sinner? And that's what Paul is getting at, the foolishness of that, because we've already spoken of those who are not under the law, though just regular, non-believing, lost people of the world, they're suppressing the reality of God. They, they can perceive him, they can tell by nature, they can tell by their human existence that God is real, but they choose to reject him. So they are without excuse. They can't stand before God and say, say, well, you made me this way. God, you're, they're, they're guilty. Because God made everyone after his image, which means we all have free will. And, and people have free will to believe or not believe. And really, in speaking of the Jews here, those who were stewards of the scriptures, who were given the oracles, that there are those today who carry them around, even literally, carrying the Torah. But yet they don't have faith in what the Torah says. They don't have faith in what the word says. Uh, says and so and so Paul says here in verse 3 for what if some do not believe will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect certainly not indeed let God be true but every man a liar as it is written because everyone's looking to get out of judgment and to and to justify themselves right and so turn with me to Psalm 51. It's the psalm that Paul quotes here to make his point. Psalm 51. And give me an amen once you are there. To make his point, Paul takes us to King David. At the point in his life where you know the story where the prophet Nathan approaches him with the truth of his sin that he had uh, taken, killed Uriah and taken his wife Bathsheba. And David uh, repented, finally, at that word. And he wrote Psalm 51. And this is what he said, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my inequity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before you, well, before me, sorry. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Notice how David continually says, I have sinned, my transgressions, it was me, I've sinned against you. That, it's, he points to himself. To exonerate God, not that God needed exoneration, God is just, but he's in his repentance, in his clarity, he's saying, it was my sin. It was my sin. He's not saying, God, you made me this way. 
He's saying, no, it was me. That's, that's the point that he's making. That no one can say, well, you know, uh, because right eventually come, comes through God that I should just continue in sin. Or because I was born this way or whatever other reason I was raised wrong or I was the excuses that so many people, the devil made me do it. At the end of the day, God is just because everyone has the capacity to choose whether to do good or whether to do evil. And then the words that he says here, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Speaking to God. It was me. And that's how one gets saved. Right? I, don't, I didn't go to Jesus and say, you know, I had a, a terrible upbringing. I, I didn't have good parents. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't tell them that these are the excuses. I just came to them and said, I'm guilty. I'm a bad fish. I'm no bueno. I knew it. And the best thing people can do is be honest with the Lord. Because that's the road to salvation. And if one is grateful for that salvation, then one responds with a life that follows the Lord. Why serve him? Why follow him? Why be dedicated to him? Why be obedient to him? Because he, he has served us well in saving us. In wiping away our shame and our sin and the stain of it and the disgustingness of it and he has given us new hearts and his spirit as a guarantee that we're going to see him one day we have eternal life he washes our feet every day with his word doesn't he wash our feet and make us clean every day and he gives us hope when we're down and he gives us strength when we're weak and he gives us wisdom when we need it and he's always there for us he, ha he serves us today and thus it's only reasonable that we respond you have saved us from our sins. God is holy. The stuff that I did was not his fault. It was my own. And the stuff that you did was not his fault. It was your own. Verse 8. And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? As we are slanderously reported and have some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. And so, well, some are saying, you know, we might as well just do bad because God remains faithful and he's righteous. And I don't even, I, I can't even make sense of that, that, that comment. I just can't. I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous way of thinking. You know, let's just do bad because God will eventually forgive or be merciful. God forbid. Let us do good. Let us do good because God is good. But maybe there's some out there who think, you know what, just a little, a little bit longer in my sin, God will find a way for me to get right one day. No, you were born with the capacity to choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day whether you're going to give your life to Jesus or live in your sin. Paul was slandered for his everything, preaching, teaching, we know that his ministry was to the Gentiles, but he would hit the local synagogue before he ended up uh, going to the Gentiles of what part whatever particular town he went preaching. But there were those who were saying that he was a for lawlessness, like 
immoral living. And they, it was the religious Jews who were saying this because Paul preached to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, hey, listen, to get saved, you don't have to keep the Jewish traditions, the rituals, or the commandments. You just, you just put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. And so they interpreted that as he was speaking against the law, which he wasn't. Christ fulfills the law. The law leads us to Jesus because no one can fulfill the law. No one can be saved by keeping commandments. Nobody. And since no one can, it leads you to Christ. And thus the purpose of the law is to bring us all to Christ. So he's preaching these, this to the Gentiles. But the Jews who did not understand this were saying he's preaching immorality, lawlessness against the commandments, which wasn't true. But why did this happen? I mean, because Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12... Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.